welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Joanna Landau. Joanna is a British-born Israeli lawyer and CEO of Vibe Israel, a nonprofit dedicated to enhancing Israel's global image. She earned BA and MA degrees in law from Cambridge University and an MBA cum laude from the Reichman University in Israel. Before establishing Vibe Israel, Joanna worked as a lawyer in the high-tech industry and established two internet startups based in Tel Aviv. Joanna is a governor of Tel Aviv University, a member of the International Education Committee of Taglit Birthright and the Advisory Committee of Innovation Without Borders, and a director of Tel Aviv Global and Tourism, Tel Aviv Municipalities Global Marketing Arm. In 2017, Joanna was chosen by Forbes Israel as one of the 50 most influential women in Israel. She lives in Tel Aviv with her husband, three children, and two dogs. Hi, Joanna. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. It's actually afternoon where I am. So <laughs> that's <all> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, that's right. How, how many hours ahead are you? I think that I'm... Um, are you on the East Coast? Yes. Yeah, so I think we're seven hours ahead. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, how are you this afternoon? <laughs> Very doing? good. Good. Okay, well, thank you for coming on. Um, so I'd like to get started by, um, so I read that you were born in London, but your parents moved you and your family to Israel when you were young. How young were you when you moved to Israel? I was about five years old. Wow. So, yeah, I don't remember really before, mm. you know, moving to Israel. Okay, so how was it growing up for you in Israel? So it was lovely. This was at a time when Israel was um, actually very, fairly young. I mean, we're talking, I'm, I'm 48, so mm -hmm. we're talking about 40-something uh, years ago. So it was a fairly young country. Israel was, uh, uh, the, the modern state of Israel was, was uh, received its independence in 1948. So it was 30-odd mm -hmm. years old. Mm. Um, and so it was very provincial, very kind of, it's, you know, it's a Western democracy but in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was a kind of a weird uh, combination of, of, you know, the Middle East, but mm -hmm. with, with lots of people who kind of speak English and, mm -hmm. and have Western values. And, and so it was, it was nice. It was just very different to where I had come from and where I went a lot to, to visit, which was London, because mm -hmm. uh, my family was still there, my grandparents and so on. And so it was a really big difference. I mean, I think my, my parents were, were quite brave in mm -hmm. making that. So. Yeah, I mean, what what motivated them to move to Israel? So for um, my mother grew up uh, Jewish, uh, but not religious Jewish, mm -hmm. uh, but with a strong connection to Israel. So when she was young, her parents always took her there and mm. they supported the, the establishment of the, you know, the state and, mm. and, and so on um, when it was very young. Mm -hmm. And so she had a strong connection with Israel and my, and she met my father who was about 11 years older than her mm -hmm. when she was 16, 17, they got married very young. And my father at the time um, had a, had a momentary uh, stint in, in being religious uh, Jewish. Mm -hmm. uh, so, mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to move for, you know, as a Jewish person wanted to live in Israel. Mm -hmm. And my mother uh, 
loved him and wanted to to do the same because she was connected and uh, I guess that was the idea was that you know um, when you're Jewish that means you're a minority in, in mm-hmm. every country around the world except for in Israel mm-hmm. and uh, that was I think the original impetus mm-hmm. uh, but when we got here yeah. um, I think it was just the country that they fell in love with the atmosphere the vibe the energy mm-hmm. um, the connection to 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 the land kind mm-hmm. of thing and, and as it developed um, I developed my own connection right but oh, we right. became sort of to, to close the, the the circle my my father when I was about six decided he didn't want to be religious anymore oh, wow. um, which we were all very happy about uh-huh. and so we had a very secular lifestyle growing up in uh, in Israel okay so I read that in your teens you didn't seem to feel like you fit in. So you went back to high school in the UK. Did you feel like you belonged there more than in Israel during your teens? I mean, the difference between England and Israel, even today, Mm -hmm. is is very big, Mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, uh, not just climate and and sort of, you know, um, know, the the, the traditions and so on, just also uh, um, culturally, you know, British are sort of, more kind of uh, stiff upper lip and, and kind mm-hmm. of very polite yeah. and so on. And, and then you turn up in the Middle East and people are kind of like a line or a queue uh, mm-hmm. is not, is, is just a recommendation. And like, you know, people push in and um, <laughs> there's not, not a lot of recognition of personal space and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I kind of felt, uh, I grew up in a very English household because my parents didn't speak Hebrew from the beginning and, and they came with, with their English upbringing. Mm-hmm. But I was growing up uh, with Israeli friends and uh-huh. I did feel this kind of uh, difference. And then every time I'd go visit my grandparents or they'd come visit Israel, I uh-huh. felt, I guess, more comfortable. Uh-huh. So, okay. yeah. So I went I went back to uh, my, my brother and my cousin the year before me had been uh, accepted to a British boarding school, mm-hmm. uh, high school, and yeah. they were having a blast. So... And I was kind of feeling a little bit kind of, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't quite fit in mm-hmm. in Israel, which with hindsight is amusing considering what I'm now doing, yeah. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. uh-huh. which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yes, but yes. Uh, I just basically followed them and, and, and had a great time at high school in England. Uh, but then I came back. Okay. Yeah. So when you turned 18, you came back to Israel and you joined the military and, and served yeah. as a paramedic. So... Yeah. What made you decide, well, I mean, was that part of being in Israel is at 18, at the age of 18, you joined the military? Um, yeah, it's national description, yeah. Okay, and wh- why paramedic, and how was that experience for you? Um, so the Israeli army, differently to, to most armies where it's, you know, there are uh, several armies that have uh, required uh, conscription. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in the Israeli army, it's not like I, I really could choose anything. They ah. tend to give you a choice and then they just put you wherever they need you to oh, this day. Okay. My, my my son just started the army and my, my, sec- my, my one of my daughters is starting this year. Uh-huh. So it feels like there's a choice, but there isn't really. Mm. And uh, I had various options um, offered to me and... and uh, I, I was never squeamish about uh, medicine, and, and I thought it would be an interesting way to spend a couple of years. So uh, I guess when somebody is, is open to it, they, they, they take them with open arms because we're talking, you know, uh, uh, medicine and being a paramedic in the, in the field and mm-hmm. army kind of stuff, and not every girl wants to do that. So yeah. Yeah. 
I guess I guess they accepted it. But it was a great. Uh, it was in the army that I decided that I wanted to live in Israel. Mm-hmm. That it was no longer my parents' choice. Mm-hmm. It became my choice. Okay. Uh, and mostly because um, I because it's national conscription because it's compulsory mm-hmm. uh, except for a few exceptions. It meant that um, it's a very flat society. So I I got to know people that I would never have met uh, because of where I lived or where they lived or, mm. you know, where they frequent and where I frequent. And then you go, you all go to the army, you're all wearing the same uniform, you're all treated in mm. the same manner and wow. you get to meet people that you would never really kind of socialize with. And it was very eye-opening for me. And I, I really liked, um, Israel is actually extremely diverse because it's 75% is made up of Jews who come over from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you've got, you know, people with with Middle Eastern origins, Arab countries, you've got people with American origins, European origins, Australian, Mm -hmm. Russian, um, from all over the world. And so it was very, very interesting. Mm. Um, Arabs are not most, unless they're Christian Arabs, most of them don't, uh, are not required to join the army because of obviously a a conflict of interest, Uh but uh, also met, uh, you know, different uh, non-Jewish religions in Israel, such as the Druze religion, which is very interesting. Um, they have a sort of a different approach to to Islam mm-hmm. and so on. So the the whole uh, the whole thing was just really really interesting to me, and and I felt for the first time, I think something which is really important for young people today to feel, which is you're not the center of the world. There's mm-hmm. something more important than you, mm-hmm. uh, and I really liked that. I thought that was a really great um, thing to take on at, at that age. Okay. Oh. Okay. So you studied law at Cambridge University and began your career as a lawyer, but then you Mm -hmm. switched to business and marketing. Why did you switch? Well, I discovered, I mean, I loved the study of law. Uh Um, It's actually, I'm very well suited for it. My mind is very rational and I'm, you know, I can can do a good debate. But Mm -hmm. I discovered when it came to the practice of law that I'm not adversarial in nature. I'm not, Uh I'm not looking to to win a debate or to 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 uh, uh, find a loophole where my client uh, you know uh, uh, does well and if the other client has a good lawyer mm-hmm. then um, then they'll do well as well but if they don't then then don't mention that they've missed it out in this clause or whatever and I discovered very early on that um, I didn't get any any satisfaction out of um, the, the legal work itself mm-hmm. but I was very interested in the I I, I um, very early on, because of my English, uh, they they put me into the the whole high tech scene, which was just growing at the time. That needed a lot of legal support, um, mm-hmm. and so they put me in meetings with that that had to do with with setting up startups and high tech and businesses. Oh, and huh. I was much more interested in the business uh-huh. uh, than I was in the legal aspect. And then when I um, uh, I would I had already had my son, and I was um, pregnant with my uh, second daughter and I did a master's in um, an MBA basically uh-huh. and my I chose I chose marketing because I liked the connection between the human element and the business mm-hmm. element sort of why why do people buy a product that's more expensive even you know though they they can they can get us the, the same product mm-hmm. um, for a lot less money and you talk about branding and marketing and I right. found all of that absolutely fascinating ah. so I was attracted to that much more. Ah, that's awesome. Okay, so mm-hmm. now let's get into it. You are the founder 
and CEO of Vibe Israel. Can you tell me what Vibe Israel is about and what prompted you to create it? Yeah, so Vibe Israel is a nonprofit organization that is based in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. And what we're sort of dedicated to is um, helping shape uh, and improve Israel's global image, especially with the next generation around the world. So mm -hmm. uh, when I say next generation, I mean millennials and Gen Z. Millennial is sort of around, uh, the oldest is around 40, 42 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm to, and all the way down to sort of um, early 20s. And then Gen Z are sort of um, teenagers and into their early 20s. Mm -hmm. So these people have a very different um approach to Israel or, or anything mm -hmm. than, um, you know, my generation, I'm, I'm Gen X mm -hmm. and my parents, which are baby boomers, right. um, they do not consume um, international news in the same way that, that we did growing up. And that means that uh, Israel doesn't really come up on their social media feeds mm -hmm. as often as Israel came up on CNN or on Sky News when I was growing up. Uh -huh. And yeah. so a lot of young people uh, don't really know much about Israel, and and uh, what they do know is very much um, perhaps related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, mm -hmm. which is not a very positive, um, you know, narrative about Israel, and a lot to do with it being a Jewish country. And so, if you're not Jewish, then why would you be interested? Mm -hmm. And as someone who chose to live in Israel, my feeling was that um, for my children as well and 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 for the jewish people around the world mm -hmm. israel needs to to thrive and not just to survive so it needs tourism and it needs business and it needs um people to want to come and live here if if, if uh, you know they're jewish or married to somebody and and, and want to move here and so on mm -hmm. and um i didn't feel that israel's sort of call it marketing mm -hmm. was uh was kind of good enough when it comes to the next generation and so I came across uh, a field called country and city branding and marketing, which uh -huh. basically says countries are like products. You uh -huh. know, you can you can brand them just like you would brand, um, you know, an iPhone versus a, um, a Samsung phone mm -hmm. or Coca-Cola versus some other uh, soft drink. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Israel, as compared to other countries, what makes it unique? Why should you? engage with it, all of these different things that were fascinating to me. And I discovered that it's an entire industry. Huh. And about 15 years ago, I felt that um, this was imperative to um, include in the way Israel manages its global reputation. Mm -hmm. Most of what Israel does is focused on trying to explain its policies when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict mm -hmm. um, or to talk about Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And neither of those topics are tremendously interesting or appealing to most young people around the world. Right. Yeah. Um, it used to be different. Uh, mm. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict used to be much more interesting and much more relevant. It's like the Ukraine-Russia mm -hmm. conflict today. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you think about it in, you know, 50 years time or 30 years time, are people still going to be as interested as they are now, and the answer obviously is no, mm -hmm. um, for better or for worse. That you right. know, I'm not I'm making a political position here, mm -hmm. but I felt that Israel is a country that has so much to offer, so many unique things that it can offer tourists and business people and um, just young people around the world who are interested, for example, in sustainability or, mm -hmm. or, or anything, food, anything like that. Right. Uh, Israel is an amazing country. 
Uh, and I felt that that wasn't getting enough of a spotlight. And so right. I established Vibe Israel uh -huh. to really do um, what's called country branding and marketing for Israel, but in a completely apolitical, non-governmental way, mm -hmm. very people to people, um, not making any statements about the politics, just saying, listen, we think our country's great. Want to have a look? Mm. You know, here it is. Make yeah. your own mind up. And, you know, let's be friends, basically. I love that. And I actually went on your site and also I saw some um, YouTube videos about it and it was really awesome. It was really like, you know, I wanted to go. And and I, it's, yeah. it's funny because I saw <laughs> the influencer tours and the food tours right. and I'm like, oh, I would have totally done that because <laughs> I'm such yeah. a foodie. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my gosh, that alone would have been like, OK, where do I sign up? You know, yeah. um, and I think it's amazing because, I mean, the perception of Israel, like you said before, is really like very, um, like very political driven. Um, so, yeah, I mean, most people would be like, OK, there we go again. Same news over and over. Yeah. Um, but when you take that out, you know, it's such a huge it's, it's such a huge piece that's missing, which is about the people and the country. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, wow. Basically, most of the time we're, we're arguing who we're not. Uh -huh. like we're not what people <laughs> say we are. We're not this, we're not that, but yeah. we're not saying who we are. Right. Okay. Uh, and that's the piece missing. Ah. So what was your aha moment when you knew you had to create Vibe Israel? Um, so I, I, um, I was 35, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I had my own business and, and, uh, I, you know, I just given birth to, to my third child, uh, and just given birth, she's about a year and a half old. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I kind of like, I was one of those people who would, you know, I'd always be the one who arranges stuff and does things. And, you know, I'm passionate about stuff and I do things, you know, a hundred percent and all into it. Mm -hmm. But I, but for my work, for my career, I wasn't very passionate about what I was doing. Hmm. And, you know, my friends who knew me would say, you know, wouldn't understand why my, my, you know, the, the business that I'd chosen to be in, which was a, a small, a small startup that I had set up, it wasn't, mm -hmm. it, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't like, you know, exploding, which mm -hmm. it could have, it could have done because, you know, I do have the capabilities. And I think it was me who was just not, not really into it. And my um, aha moment is really not very exciting in the sense that I just literally woke up in the morning and said, I, I, I'm a passionate person. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I really need to find what I'm passionate about because I can't go through life just doing, you know, uh, I, I love my children, but mm -hmm. I'm I'm not a hundred percent mother. I'd like to do something that is, I mean, I'm a hundred percent mother, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to do things beyond that. Yes. And uh, I had not found something yet that was um, really kind of um, uh, attracting me. Mm -hmm. And so I did a very brief, uh, fortunately for me, a uh, coaching sort of exercise for a couple of months with mm -hmm. uh, a very good coach. Mm -hmm. And um, and he basically, I sat with him uh, once a week and he said to me, what concerns you? Because it was very clear to me that um, I wanted to go into the nonprofit world. I wasn't really motivated by making money. I was motivated by seeing social change comes from the fact that I come from a philanthropic sort of background. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um, that I was more drawn to that. And right. We basically made a long list of things that I wanted to to see 
changing around me on the local level and the national level and the international level. And every week we cross something off. And mm. in the end, the one thing that stayed on the paper, mm. uh, which was starting to go yellow, was, mm. um, was basically the fact that I can't understand why there's a gap between the Israel that I see and the Israel that the world sees. Oh, and I want to bridge that gap. I didn't know how. Uh -huh. I just knew that that was something that really upsets me and concerns me. And I'm, I'm choosing to live here. My husband's American. I'm British. My uh -huh. children have three passports. Uh -huh. um, I want Israel to, to, to do well. And so that's what kind of uh, took me into this process. And I, I like the uh, what my coach said to me at the time is that there's a reason why the word calling uh, what's your calling mm -hmm. exists because it basically calls you. Like once mm -hmm. you discover what it is that you're passionate about, right? You're you've turned something on that you can't you can't turn off. And from that moment onwards, huh. I was just like, okay, I've got to figure out what it is. Uh -huh. I've got to go and look for what it is that I can do. Uh -huh. Do I need to join a, an organization? Do I need to set up my own? Right. Is there something special way of doing things? Um, and that's what started my journey. Wow. I love that because it really, like, you know, basically from realizing or, or learning for yourself that, you know what, well, you know, why is it that my perception of or my thinking of Israel and how I live here is so different from the perceptions of everybody else? So mm -hmm. that is really awesome. I love that because you're, you're really giving um, everybody else, like, the, the gateway to like learn more and and discovery Israel like most people would not know how to do so yeah I also I think a lot of it came from um, I think I was fresh to the topic mm -hmm. and so um, you know a, a lot of uh, people who are involved in in this would would argue that there's media bias against Israel that there's maybe latent anti-Semitism involved or mm. whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, I felt that there was a blame game going on mm -hmm. that placed the blame um, somewhere that, that you have no control over. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you you know, anti-Semitism always existed. It will probably always exist. And right. media bias is there and, and there's, it's very difficult to change it and so on. But I felt to me that there had to be something that we had control over as the Jewish people or the Israeli people. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for that thing that that, that we could do to, to move the needle. And I found it in the methodology of country branding, which is all about, you know, how you tell your story mm -hmm. and what techniques you use and what tools you use mm -hmm. can really, really change and sway opinion. Yeah. So it's no longer somebody else's fault. It's suddenly my responsibility. And I felt that to be much more um, intriguing and challenging and interesting to try and do. Oh, okay. So I mentioned before that I saw um, some YouTube videos of, um, of Vibe Israel. So the video I saw of you being interviewed on ILTV on a segment mm -hmm. titled, How do Millennials View Israel? And you mentioned the yeah. term um, country branding, which we, we had talked about, but you also took a poll of millennials to see what words mm -hmm. they associated with Israel. Were you surprised by the responses? I wasn't surprised by the responses, um, but the, but everybody else was. <laughs> I wasn't surprised by the responses because um, the because of the the tours that you mentioned we had done, mm -hmm. uh, which was our flagship uh, project before before COVID hit, and now uh, I'm kind of yeah. process of renewing. Uh -huh. But but we had been we had started bringing 
um, digital influencers to Israel on on trips that were made just for them, mm-hmm. focusing on the topic that they write about and share about uh, since 2011. Wow. So by 2018, when we had done that research, uh-huh. it was very clear to me yeah. that most millennials um, are pretty clueless about Israel. They they um, don't have that much knowledge about it. Uh-huh. If they do hear something about Israel, it's kind of negative noise, but mm-hmm. it, because it doesn't interest them that much, it's not like they've kind of made up their mind and they're, they're, you know, they're anti-Israeli or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and basically, we, we, we found that most of them, because they know very little, Mm-hmm. then what happens is that when Israel comes up, then the one thing that they think about um, is Judaism mm. and religion, which, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus and Jerusalem and Holy Land and all these things, which is which is kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. even when you talk about Israel as a travel destination, mm-hmm. you say Holy Land, you talk mm-hmm. about the archaeology and the 3,000 years and so on. Right. Um, and that's fine, mm-hmm. except for the fact that it's not a very inclusive message in the mm. sense of if you're not Jewish, then maybe Israel's not interesting to you. Mm-hmm. It's like the Vatican. Mm-hmm. It's not like Rome. Right. It's like the Vatican in Rome. Yeah. How interested are you going to get in the Vatican itself? Right. Because that's absolutely 100% about the religious aspect of the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you think about Rome, the city, or Italy, the country, right. you go into a church every two seconds, but actually you're thinking about food yeah. and fashion and 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 you know the culture and Mm -hmm. all that stuff and and that's the piece that I felt that was missing Mm. and so I wasn't surprised uh, but we needed to do this research because as an as a non-profit we need to influence others to join the effort whether it's the government or uh, organized Jewish community outside of Israel Mm -hmm. who are deeply concerned about Israel's reputation because it affects their lives as Jews um, mm. in countries around the world, right. um, Christian evangelicals who are worried about their young, um, their youth kind of disassociating themselves as well, uh-huh. and so on and so forth. So we had to do this research to ah. find out. And uh, so I was I'm a little, well, actually, no. So my question is, when you started this in 2011, I didn't realize it was that um, far back. Um, yeah, and that's incredible because obviously it was doing really well. But I, but no one. I mean, I had never heard of it. You know, I'd never heard yeah. of this. Uh-huh. Uh, and I mean, like I said before to you, had I known about, it, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. You know, and again, it's because I love to travel, and I love discovering new places and people and things. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people would do the same. But again, I guess, like you said, your, the, the branding has not been there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, basically we were actually, um, um, not to blow our own horn, but um, uh, we pioneered um, strategic uh, influencer marketing for uh, a country mm-hmm. um, in the sense that we did these tours, but we did them um, by 2018. We were doing about seven tours a year, wow. and we were thinking strategically about the topics that we were promoting. For example, in 2019, uh-huh. we only did food tours because Israeli food was really kind of taking over the world, and mm-hmm. everybody was loving uh, hummus and shakshuka and, yeah. and Israeli kind of fresh farm-to-table food. Yep. Um, and so what we were doing is we were using, um, we weren't offering these, the reason why you haven't heard of it is because 
we weren't offering these trips to everybody. We were offering them to um, digital influencers who mm. had a had a following of hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Right. Of people. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, um, we started with bloggers and then eventually it was Instagrammers, YouTubers. And uh, now that when we come back to it, obviously it will be TikTokers as well and people mm-hmm. like that. But basically the, the objective is just like um, any product, any brand today, they work with these young or, or not even not always young people mm-hmm. who have very large followings mm-hmm. who basically give their personal endorsement to an experience or to the product itself. Right. And we started doing that for for Israel back in 2011. Today, most countries do it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not it's not new, mm-hmm. but we were quite new back then. Right. Uh, and uh, and it was very very successful. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So I also saw a video of you speaking about receiving the Genesis Prize grant. Um, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. But what is the Genesis Prize grant? And what is this? The, what is it designed for? So the Genesis Prize is often dubbed uh, to be sort of the Jewish. Um, uh, oh, what's that? Uh, the, the the biggest prize in the world, the Nobel. It's mm-hmm. like the Jewish Nobel Prize. Okay. It's a it's a it's a million dollars that is given to a Jewish person that is making uh, a big impact in the world. Um, wow. But bringing bringing their Jewish lens to it. So huh. so this year I think the the winner was uh, uh, Albert Berla, the uh, the CEO of Pfizer because of what they did for um, um, you know for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and the year before it was Steven Spielberg uh, mm. because of you know, his success uh, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And what happens is that every year the recipient uh, receives the prize and then, allocates where he or she wants to donate the prize oh, to what topic. Okay. So in Steven Spielberg's case, it was uh, Holocaust remembrance. Right. Um, so any nonprofit could have, that, that was involved in that can apply to receive a grant from the oh, prize. Okay. And in my case, um, it was Robert Kraft who won the prize. He, a uh, very famous American who owns uh, you know, a famous football uh, team and, and is a very successful businessman. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he, he not only received the prize, he also, I think, doubled it. And then um, basically it was split between uh, 20-something um, organizations that wow. are all involved in fighting anti-Semitism. Ah. And so we were one of them that received one of the grants. That's amazing. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. Okay. Um, so why do you think it's so hard to change how Israel has been perceived? I mean, it's definitely gotten better, but why do you think it's taken so long? <laughs> or, or Well, you know? I, think, I, I think there's, there's two aspects to this. First of all, the, the, um, there's the issue of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, mm-hmm. which is a very, very, very complicated, complex topic right. that that you have to have context Mm -hmm. in order to understand it. Mm -hmm. And nobody has the time or the energy or the effort to to invest in trying to get to the depth of uh, the root of the conflict. Mm -hmm. And if if especially young people who have a very short attention span, Mm -hmm. whose whose time is really their biggest resource, um, they're not going to waste an hour of their time listening to explanations that go back to you know, uh, 
pre-Holocaust days or the, after the Holocaust, the establishment of the state, mm-hmm. the different wars that happened here, yeah. the Palestinian and uh, uh, cause and so on and so forth. That nobody has the time of day to to really uh, go into great detail, except for a small minority. Mm-hmm. That small minority is either very pro-Israel or very anti-Israel, and mm-hmm. it's and the very anti-Israel is very vocal. Right. And so there is an anti-Israel narrative out there. They're very good at what they do. They mm-hmm. use social media. Um, and and they can have as, as uh, a much impact as, as they'd like to have. Mm-hmm. I, I won't say that they are tremendously successful because obviously um, Israel's doing very well and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and thriving and, and, you know, uh, despite the situation. And I think that that when you have a, a conflict that's, you know, look, again, I'm going back to the Ukraine-Russia yes. conflict. It's pretty easy for young people to say, well, OK, I know who David is and I know who Goliath is. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty clear to me. In Israel's case, when it was established, it was David. Mm-hmm. But over time, it became Goliath. Hmm. And uh, it's very difficult to look at a Goliath and say, yes, well, you know, if you were in this position, you would probably have these policies as well, because you're in a rather impossible situation. It, it's a, it requires um, a deeper level of analysis that most people don't have. Mm. And so I think that it's been very difficult because mm-hmm. uh, I go back to, to, to our responsibility. And when I say our, I mean the, the, the Jewish community and the Israeli government and the Israeli people. Mm-hmm. We tend to focus the conversation about trying to explain the conflict. Mm-hmm. The audience, specifically younger audience, um, that just getting bigger and bigger all the time. Right. Um, I'm not that interested in that conversation, and so they stop listening. Yeah. And yet the anti-Israel narrative is is pretty clear and and simple and simplistic, mm-hmm. claiming that Israel is an apartheid state and and all sorts of things like that, which, uh, you know, I I obviously don't believe in because I wouldn't live here if mm-hmm. I felt that we were an apartheid state. Um, but uh, we are not changing the way that we tell the story. Right. So, what I what I'm trying to say is, absolutely, we need to to debate the issues. We need to try and explain ourselves. I think that there are many things that are very difficult to explain. I invite anyone who's interested in the topic to come here mm-hmm. and to actually experience Israel for themselves, mm-hmm. experience um, what it's like to live here, mm-hmm. uh, go to the Palestinian Authority, do do whatever you want. But making your mind up based on things that are being said online is, is a very superficial way to to develop opinions. Yeah. However, that's the way most people operate today, mm-hmm. especially young people. Right. And therefore, my my feeling is, without ignoring the fact that there's a conflict, without mm-hmm. trying to to whitewash it or, or you know uh, say it's not there, mm-hmm. let's also talk about who we, the Israeli people, are, what we contribute to the world, mm-hmm. what we offer, why people should want to be engaged with us, and then you know let people make up their own minds. Yeah. And I think that there's not enough of that. So if you uh, look at recent uh, research, I think in, in 2019, Facebook did some research that showed that um, the average millennial scrolls the height of the Statue of Liberty every day on mm. their phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm. that's a ton of information. Yeah. And when Israel comes up, which is very rare, mm-hmm. it's n- almost never in a positive context. Mm. And we know that millennials and Gen Z are mostly on their phones. That's yes. what they do most of the time. That's how they're making their decisions, um, having conversations, listening to recommendations. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if there was a lot more positive content, mm-hmm. authentic positive, not not fake, mm-hmm. authentic positive content about Israel and about the Israeli people, as people are scrolling on their feeds, mm-hmm. I think that would open up and widen the lens through which Israel is perceived, and yeah. there would be more context yeah. for for why we act the way we act, and there would be more ability to um, accept Israel. With all of its, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, aspects, mm-hmm. for better and for worse, you know, every country, for me as an Israeli right now, looking at what's going on in the United States and seeing the Roe v. Wade reversal and yes. uh, things like that, and, yeah. and the you know January six events, mm-hmm. you know, you could also say, oh my God, America, like mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah. But I'm not going to stop traveling there. I'm not going to stop buying your products. I'm right. not going to stop. Like I'm not there yet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that. It should be afforded the same benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. um, that other countries are afforded. Unfortunately, it's not. Uh, and I think that we, uh, people who care for Israel, mm-hmm. need to double down and do more efforts yeah. that are kind of more innovative right. than have been done for the last right. 50-odd uh, years. Yeah, I, I so agree. And it's funny, when you were talking about that, I mean, I actually had the chance to go to Israel 2019 with my husband because mm-hmm. he speaks at um, tech conferences and he was invited to mm-hmm. speak there. And it was amazing. I was like blown away. I, I, I loved yeah. it. And, you know, we were in Tel Aviv and um, the woman who coordinated this whole thing was just lovely. And we got a whole tour of, you know, I mean, the usual market and Jerusalem but she had her best friend, who happened to be a tour guide, <laughs> um, give uh-huh. us a tour and then brought us to this place, like right in the market, where she knew someone, she, she had a friend who literally like hosted us for lunch. And it was incredible. I was just like, I was really blown out and I loved it. Um, and I'm looking forward to going back. Um, and yeah. I think that's what's, what's yeah. unique to Israel, the sense that it's, very different to what you expect, mm-hmm. and the mainly on on the emotional level, in the sense that the, the people are very warm, very yes. hospitable, very open. Yep. Um, which is going back to the beginning of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what happens when people are straightforward, and you know, people might bump into you in the street and not respect your personal space, yeah. but if you fall over and hurt yourself, yeah, they'll be there to help you get up. You right. know, and and that's what I like about. Yeah. being here and, and uh, th- there's a community element here that is very much missed on the the global media coverage mm-hmm. because we don't highlight the people we highlight the state right. the policies the decision making the military yeah and so on yeah well thank you for that and and i do hope i get to go back because i would love to explore some more and i actually got to um meet up with i work for an organization called world moms network and my friend Susie, who happens to know mm-hmm. you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a friend of yours. Yeah, and that's yeah. how we connected. And she yeah, yeah. she was so lovely. And mind you, I had never met her before in person. We've only yeah. known each other through the um, organization that we both write in. And so right. it was so lovely for her to host us for Shabbat dinner. I, we had not mm-hmm. expected that. And it was just like, wow. You know, and, and of course, like I had my own you know, perceptions about, about Israel, but it was so, like, so not <laughs> what I expected. It's just different. Yes. It's just different. And yes. That's the, 
that's the, the that's why our first by the way when we did our first tour back in 2011 mm -hmm. i wanted to choose a topic that was so unexpected mm. um about israel mm -hmm. uh because you know tech is very expected yeah. uh, today food is very expected but the topic i chose was um basically parenting and, and mummy vloggers yes i saw that that's i thought it was so be. cool so we just showed people, you know, women who had uh, large followings, we showed them what we do with our kids in Israel. And it was very, uh, very surprising to a lot of people because you imagine sometimes Israel being as a war zone, but uh -huh. it's actually not at all what people think. And it's right. a great place for kids to grow up in. And yep. uh, so it was uh, something that we wanted to showcase. It was very So cool. shout out to Susie. Thank you very much. Yeah, and next time, next time you come, you're, you're, we'll, we'll go out for a drink together. Oh, my gosh. I would love that. We will talk after this <laughs> for sure. Yep. Um, okay, so is there someone you would credit for where you are now? Yeah, I mean, other than, um, um, you know, uh, coaches have a very difficult uh, uh, life because they can't, they need to be the coach, they need to be in the back. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I would say that that my, my because my eyes were opened by, by the coach, then then it would be uh, him, his name is Talonen, uh, the, uh, as a, as just as a you know, basic thank you. But um, the, the the main one that introduced me to the field that I fell in love with on a career level um, um, is uh, a guy called Ido Aharoni. He was um, at the time working at the Israeli Foreign Office and today uh, and later became the Consul General for uh, the Israel for Israel in New York. Mm -hmm. um, today he's a consultant, and he basically introduced me to the idea of looking at Israel as um, from a, from a very different perspective to what I was used to mm -hmm. uh, and asking what do people think about it what comes up in their mind but not in their mind in a rational sense what comes up in the emotional sense because that's mm -hmm. what branding's about and he invested a lot of time and effort in, in showing me the, the pieces of research that have been done and a whole strategy that had been developed and I established vibe Israel to support, what was going to be a very large project in the Israeli foreign ministry, which unfortunately over time didn't didn't get to the sorry didn't get to the the extent that uh, it should have in my opinion. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that he's very much credited for bringing the kind of thinking today that when you think of Israel, you you might also think of tech and you might also think of food and you mm -hmm. might also think of travel. Right. Um, Twenty years ago, that wasn't so much the case, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and that happens when somebody. Uh, just introduces a new way of thinking. And so for me, that was uh, Ido. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it took me on, uh, and maybe I should credit my, my grandmother because she had, she had met him at some opening of some hotel. Oh. And on that day that I had my, my epiphany, uh -huh. I called my grandmother up who knows a lot of people. And uh -huh. I said, you know, a lot of people introduce me to someone that has got to do with Israel and they've got to do somehow with branding and marketing. Huh. And she said, well, I just met this guy. Do you want to meet him? And huh. then we went out for lunch and, and the rest is history. That is so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Wow. <laughs> and look what you started from that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, wow. Okay. So going forward, um, do you have any personal goals or is there something you haven't yet done that you would like to do? Yeah, I actually, what happened is, I mean, COVID was a big hit for, yes, for Vibe as well, because, yeah. Um, yeah, for everybody and especially for travel-based organizations, which Vibe as well, because we bring people to Israel, um, uh, the offline element is necessary for the online promotion. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it was obviously very difficult to sustain the organization uh, over these two years. Fortunately, mm -hmm. we have uh, very supportive um, um, donors and, and they, they helped us through the stage. And now I'm kind of rebuilding the um, rebuilding the, 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 the operations. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, I realized that I had developed a skill set which is very unique, which is speciality in country and city branding. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very small boutique industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I go to a conference every year that I meet about two or 300 people who run the, the reputations and uh, an image of countries, cities, regions around the world. It's fascinating uh -huh. to meet them, to, to see what countries are doing. And what I'm doing now is I'm also, in addition to, to uh, working with Vibe mm -hmm. um, and lead Vibe, I'm I'm starting my own consulting business where I'm working with uh, um, not only in Israel, but other countries as well, where I can offer um, from my knowledge and, and 10 years worth of experience of how to uh, really harness the power of digital mm -hmm. to uh, get your place known to audiences. It's very, very much like a, a, any brand or product wants, uh, you know, a community to get interested and buy their product. Mm -hmm. So same for same for countries, same for cities, same for regions. And so I'm, uh, I've started to be approached by uh, various places and, and, and in Israel as well. And so I'm um, doing both concurrently now. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, you, know, you you have more of a reach now for sure. And, you know, to make it um, so it's to make it so other, uh, I guess, companies can reach out to you. It's like, OK, what are we doing? What can we do to promote our country better? And yeah. to make it yeah. so like they would be what <laughs> they would want to come and and really, um, you know, like help establish their country as well as like get their their country known for what they're really um, all about. Right. And and promote yeah. the, the relationships between people. Yeah, because in the end, you know, if you're a, a business person, you're also a citizen of the country yes. or a resident of the city. Right. And if your business is based there, then mm -hmm. it's in your interest country or city does extremely well mm -hmm. um, so if you can get involved and especially if it benefits your business right. um, then why not yeah. you know it's not I don't believe that um, and this is really a new a new development in country and city branding in the sort of now that we're into the third decade of the the 21st century which is that it's very much shifting um, from being led by the government and kind of um, owned by the government mm -hmm. to um, really just being actually led by the private sector and enabled by the government. Right. And that's a, something that I think we're going to see more and more as time goes by because it's it's difficult, uh, unless, you know, you're a dictatorship, it's mm. very difficult to control politics, to control, you know, what mon one ministry is doing and uh, another ministry doesn't necessarily go along with it, especially in coalition governments. And so... Uh, uh, industries and private sector mm -hmm. when they have a common interest it's much more easy for them and faster to mobilize and and move forward mm -hmm. and the government has to basically provide the, the and facilitate the conditions uh, for the businesses to thrive and it could be cultural as well mm -hmm. uh, but we're seeing it more and more that it's the people who are telling the story right uh, they need to to get guidance from the government sometimes mm -hmm. they need to get of course funding mm -hmm. But the story is best told by the people. 
of yeah. the place. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's something that we're going to see much, much more over time, especially because, um, you know, digital is really a, a very easy way to become, you know, there's a reason it's called YouTube, mm -hmm. right? It's all about people, mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, the, and what you're doing, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, every person can become a broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, and so it's no longer controlled. It's much more sort of diffused and, and anybody could, could talk and say stuff. And so yeah. there's, a, there's a very, it's a very exciting time, I think, for the countries and cities. Mm -hmm. I, I it just needs agree. to be done well. Yeah. You can also <laughs> lose control of, of uh, you have to understand that you're going to lose control, but how do you, how do you make sure that it's going in the right direction? And, right. and that's a speciality. And, uh, that's why there are professionals and specialists like me in this field. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so um, if anyone wanted to know more about Vibe Israel, or if they wanted to get involved, how would they go about it? So um, absolutely. First of all, follow us on, on any of the, um, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, so on. We, we haven't opened a TikTok yet, but, but we will. Um, our handle is at Vibe Israel, all in one word. Um, that's one thing. And the other, of course, is that you can go to our website, uh, vibeisrael.com. You can email us at team at vibeisrael.com. Um, you can contact me uh, uh, through the uh, our website. There's my email there. So whichever way uh, anyone is interested in, in getting involved, mm -hmm. then be in touch. And, uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners? Um, no, just to say to you, thank you very much mm -hmm. uh, for, for hosting me and, and to your listeners for listening. Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, I like very much that, uh, I like the name of your uh, uh, <laughs> of your podcast and I like the focus on, on, uh, on women and, and, you know, for, for women. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never found it to be a setback and quite, quite the contrary. And I think that actually it's a women-led and, and a fully woman um organization vibe mm -hmm. as well it completely happened by chance it wasn't actually uh, oh, something I that, that i de uh -huh. defined but i do find women to be extremely capable and and the more of us get involved and get active and become entrepreneurial i think the world will be a better place oh thank you for that so if you had one thing to change that you wish you had ye done years ago what would it be um i think i would have taken more risks hmm. for sure Okay. Um, I'm quite kind of, if you think of it on the grand scale, I'm kind of quite risky. I do things that are contrary, but, uh -huh. but when it comes to the tactics, I would have probably taken more, more risks. Uh -huh. uh, and the second, uh, another thing is that I would have uh, invested right from the beginning in, in a PR. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so if anybody's setting up a company, setting, especially a nonprofit, um, People want to associate themselves with things that they can see on TV or read in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, my focus was never really Vibe Israel mm -hmm. as an organization or myself. It was the product. It was Israel. Mm -hmm. And so I only started doing uh, good PR about uh, local PR in Israel mm -hmm. about five years ago. Oh. Uh, but I've been around for 13 years. Right. And yeah. so I, anybody who's sort of it's it's considered a luxury, but it really isn't mm. because you you know there's just something to be said if you as you said you saw me being interviewed on TV it it, it kind of positions you in a, in a in a better in a better place there's no there's no choice yeah. there so I would highly recommend that and um, 
this isn't something that I would do differently. I would just do more of, which is, I think that networking is probably the most important um, aspect of building anything, any Mm -hmm. kind of career or activity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the people that I'm engaged with today are people that I met 10 years ago and Mm -hmm. spent, you know, a coffee with them and, and kept in touch with them. And, And there's something to be said to just being nice and polite and, following up and keeping in touch and remembering, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, and, and remembering people's special occasions, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. in the end, yeah. somehow yeah. it all connects, yes. right? Yes. We're, we're not alone in this world. We can right. only achieve things if, uh, if we do things together. And I think that that's huge. If no. people are like, not be transactional mm-hmm. about people, right. Uh, build relationships, um, yeah, good PR and, and take risks. It, it'll it'll serve one well eventually. Yeah. That's awesome. And so my last question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, I think uh, um, one of the things now that I'm seeing is that uh, I'm because I, I'm really 100% convinced that I know the answer to the problem, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes didn't listen to wiser people uh, than, I, than me. And I, I, I was I kind of a slightly blind, I was blinded a little bit by, by, by the, the, the aura of the solution that I thought was, was the right solution. Mm-hmm. And today, today, I probably would have, like right now, for example, I'm, I'm doing something which five years ago donors asked me to do and and i said no it wasn't necessary and you know i stayed in my in my course Mm -hmm. and five years later i now understand that they were probably right and i should have done it then Mm. and now that i'm open to it it's more of an uphill battle to get the donors back on board Mm -hmm. and to get them to to rebuild their trust in me Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that that's something that uh on the one hand at some point it's like a dual a dual piece of advice. On the one hand, listen to other people, but at some point know when to finish listening and just move ahead. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And then on the other hand, um, don't be blinded by the by 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 the the truth that you see, mm-hmm. uh, and and think that everybody else is wrong and you're the only one who knows the answer. Mm-hmm. Because over time, you might discover that there, you know, that 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 the the path that you chose needs to be slightly tweaked in right. order to achieve the same result, right. like, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it'll be achieve the same result, slightly different way. You get more people on board with you. Uh, I think if I was less stubborn mm. five years ago, I probably would have been, uh, in a different position today, but, but it's okay. I don't cry over spilt milk. Like oh, where I am now, I only look forward. I never look backwards. I love that. Joanna, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank with you us. very much. And and good luck. Wish you wishing you so much luck for whatever is in um, in front of you with Vibe Israel. And I really hope more people would come over and discover what Israel is about because it really is a beautiful country. And I fell in love with it when I came there when I went there in two thousand nineteen. Um, yeah. And Thank you know you. I wish you so much luck. And and please keep me posted with what's going on with Vibe Israel, and I do hope we get to meet one day. Um, I will keep Definitely. you posted. <laughs> All right, well, Definitely. thank you again, yeah. and have a good day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Ooh. 
That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Joanna Landau on RevWomen.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. 